I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you. Every time I hear that song, I feel like it's ready to do a pod. So, Oh, yeah, mate. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Mark Irons, for the theme song. Dylan, Hallis, this podcast is about what? It's about you and me, Lonnie. It's oh, about yeah. two mates. <laughs> keeping in touch, taking each other through journeys each week, Lonnie. We try to brighten each other's week with a topic that can be anything. Life, pop culture, everything in between. And you know what? Recently, we've done a few guest episodes this time with just you and me, back to the original boys. Yeah, and I like it. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's weird not having a third party here, but, you know, we'll get used to it. I guess so. Now, Dylan, I'm going to ask you a question first up, okay? Yeah. If you were trying to win an Oscar, what would you do? Well, I think the tried and true answer is to do a dramatic role. Yeah. If I was an actor. If I was a director, direct a dramatic movie. <laughs> If I was a writer, write a dramatic screenplay. That's true. You're not going to exactly write a comedy or horror, are you, to or star in one of those to get an Oscar? Sadly, no. Sadly, no. According to therap.com, mm. what you should do is not only star in a dramatic role, you should star in a biopic. Uh, you know what? That is actually a fair point. That is, I agree with that. That's right. This week, you and I, Dylan, we're going to look at what, what Wikipedia describes as a film that dramatises the life of a non-fictional or historically-based person or people. That's it. A biopic. Okay, okay. So we're going to look into some uh, different biopics or just... Yeah, we're going to look in and what, what makes a biopic, mm-hmm. our thoughts and feelings, and then I've got a few issues with a few biopics that I'm really going to... That's really why I want to do this. There's two things I want to say. And I've crafted a whole episode just to get to those two aspects. Fair enough. I want to have some rants, mate. Basically, all, yeah. All right. I love them. Let's go. Now, back to the rap. They had a really cool article. They were talking in the lead up to uh, 2019 Oscars, mm-hmm. which, you, as you probably remember, Rami Malek won for his betrayal of Freddie Mercury. He did. He did. That year, four out of five nominees at the Oscars for Best Actor were betraying real-life people. Do you remember these performances, Dylan? Uh, no, Rami was the only one I was familiar with, I think. You'll have to remind me, Lonnie. All right. So we had Christian Bale as Dick Cheney in Vice. Yep, that's correct. Yep. Willem Dafoe, um, he played Vincent van Gogh in At Eternity's Gate. Okay. Yep. yep. No one really saw that one. So, you know, sometimes they just have to throw a random one in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, I haven't seen it, but, you know, why not? Apparently he was good, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Viggo Mortensen was um, playing Tony Valenonga in Green Book. That's right, yes. Green Book here. Yes. And then Bradley Cooper was the odd one out playing um, Jackson Maine in The Star is Born. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. So, like a fictional 
character, but also like pretty much based on various other actors and other other singers, I guess. Mm. But yes, he was an original performance. Even though that film was like it's a remake of a remake of a remake. Anyway. <laughs> Been done a million times. Yeah. Yeah. So the rap also reports that that four out of five ratio has happened five times in the last fifteen years and lead up to twenty nineteen. Oh. And actually, between twenty thirteen and twenty nineteen, happened um, four times. So, yeah, Jesus. Okay. That's what I'm saying. If you want to get an Oscar, Dylan, trying to get a biopic up and running. Apparently, I mean, I can guess. I guess I see where they're coming from. Like, uh, it's very easy to say, "Well, he acts like just like that person was. He's good." <laughs> Well, that's that exactly right. So, overall, uh, the rap says that 26 performances from biopics have won best Oscar for best won the Oscar for best actor since the award was created. So that's you know in the early 30s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And half of those happened since the 1990s. So there's been a real surge in biopics at the Oscars in the last you know 30 years or so. Yeah. Uh, and for the first time in Oscars history, they said in the last decade, so this is the 20 teens decade, yeah. the number of nominees for biopics um, surpassed nominees who played original characters. So there was a 23-22 split going back to 2010. That's um, amazing to me that biopics are, are that um, prevalent, you know? Yeah, jeez, I didn't even know. Uh, I know they've been around a lot, but yeah, I didn't realise how prevalent they were hmm. in well, the Oscars. And look, there's an article I read, but I can't find it. I couldn't find it this morning when I was trying to put this together. But you're going to trust me, okay? Oh, okay, fine. I remember reading, this is like in the late, mid to late 2000s, they did this analysis of the Oscars. Yeah. And they said, the only way you can be nominated for an Oscar is to portray a real life person, play someone in an adaptation of like a book or a um, musical or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Or be George Clooney. <laughs> Oh, okay, sure. So I don't think it exactly plays out. That was the case. I think it might have been a bit of um, exaggeration. But I think it's uh, pretty pretty clear that it had to be George Clooney to um, get one of those original roles up for the Oscars. <laughs> Seemingly. Yeah, yeah, that's dropped off, hasn't it? And as you said, it's a bit of a... Um... <laughs> you haven't got George Clooney there? <laughs> what? You haven't got George Clooney there? Yeah, a little drive-by on George, yeah. Oh, come on, mate. I haven't forgiven him for Batman and Robin. Come on, mate. Oh, yeah, you, you've got strong opinions about him in that role, haven't you? Oh, no, it's not terrible. But, you know, we'll save it for the George Clooney episode. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, but it's true what you said, that the Oscars are, a, if you want to get an Oscar, you, you should take on a biopic and that. And then one of the emphasis is that, oh, wow, he's um, acting just like the person. In this article, as I was reading, they quote Dennis Bingham, who's a film professor at Indiana University, Purdue, mm, Indianapolis. Yeah. You, you heard of him, right? You know Dennis? I don't. I oh, don't. Bloody hell. Mate, the rock I'm living under, it's... <laughs> tell you what, I don't get out much. So what he says is that, quote, the acting is so visible. Well. He says what they did was, especially in Day-Lewis, Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot, um, and Meryl Streep in that Hollow films, he says, it's yeah. a highly embodied form of acting. So I think people have said this as well. It's like become less about acting performance but more about mimicry and imitation as the acting style yeah an impression more than anything yeah. yeah so do you think that's real acting i mean it's it's definitely a, a form of it i mean who am i to argue lonnie i'm no professional but it, they're in movies so i guess it's acting i guess so yeah that's it's definitely not as um 
not as interesting as an actor making their their own decisions on how a character should be, and kind of um, you know making up a, a story in their mind about the backstory of this character, that sort of thing. But yeah, you know, is what it is. Yeah, it's that it's that um, difference between crafting an original character and also just trying to imitate someone you've already seen. Yeah, it's definitely an easier path, I feel. Yeah, different skills, though, and different muscles you're probably using as an actor, yeah. I imagine. I, yeah, I can see that, yeah. Now, the we talked about the prevalence of, of biopics. They are really quite popular, even going through history, not just the last decade or so, but they are really popular all, all throughout history. Mm-hmm. Ellen Cheshire is quoted in that article, and she, she wrote a book called Biopics, A Life in Pictures. She reckons that people like biopics, the audiences that is, because you already probably know the character or the person, you know, that the yep. character's about. Mm-hmm. She also says that we get seduced by the storytelling. They're structured in such a way with the highs and lows and often, and quite often there's periods of great triumph and redemption, whether it's rags to riches or riches to rags. <laughs> I agree with that. I think there's an allure to the biopic because you, you know, probably don't get one made about you unless you've done something pretty exciting. Well, that's, that's true. Has to be film worthy at least. Exactly right. And there's also something attractive, I think, that the audience can go, oh, wow, this isn't just a movie. It's something that really happened. You know, someone didn't write this in a script just so it could be portrayed. Actually, this occurred. Well, it depends on the movie. Sometimes they take liberties, but, you know, for the most part, yeah. We're getting to that, Dylan. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) The last few years especially, you've seen, like, musical biopics take off. So, Ian Rhapsody, you mentioned there was Rocket Man um, with uh, about... Elton John, mm-hmm. and there's a new one coming out about David Bowie, but apparently, you've probably heard about this, they couldn't use the music, they didn't have the rights to the music, so I'm not really sure what they're going to be. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Is it just... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've got no idea how it's going to happen. <laughs> it, oh my God, it's going to be a disaster. Can I Can I throw a musical biopic in there, Lonnie? Please do. The Dirt. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. And who's that about again? Motley Crue, mate. Ah, that's right, yes. It is insane. Yeah. It's madness. Okay. I don't know much about Molly Crew, so would I still appreciate it? Uh, I don't know if it's up your alley, Lonnie. It's pretty filthy. Okay. <laughs> There's uh, lots of uh, drugs, sex, and rock and roll, as they okay. say. Okay. Well, it sounds a bit bit um, non-PC, if you ask me. A bit, bit raunchy, Lonnie. A bit <laughs> raunchy, mate. No, put the kids to bed for that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of musical biopics going back in the last decade. So you've got Ray and Walk the Line and... Mm-hmm. Uh, one I'm going to talk about in a little bit as well. Um, historically, though, biopics, they're some of the most celebrated films just ever. So you think about the Oscars especially, but also, you know, in pop culture or, you know, historical context, you've got 12 Years a Slave, Schindler's List, Gandhi, Lawrence of Arabia, Ben-Hur, uh, Titanic, not really a biopic, oh, it's not about, yeah. you know, real people, but, you know, based on true events and there are real people in that film. Yeah, yeah it, it is a bit of a... A bit of a shortcut to, well, it's not necessarily a shortcut, but it's something that can really make an impact on wider society if you make the right film. Yeah, true. Yeah. And it's something I remember reading about, talking about the idea of you know, national cinemas as I studied this at university, mm. where once a society or a country starts making films, often they'll go back into their history to um, to make films about how the the country started. So looking like in Australia in the 1970s, they really started making films about themselves, about society. What are some of the first films they did? Gallipoli, Break Morant, all these films about how Australia started going. So I think that is something to do with this as well. It's like 
it's not just making a film about a person because it's going to be popular because people know the characters and whatever already. It's also about creating some mythologies and some stories about who we are as people and what societies we live in. Yeah, very, very poignantly put, Lonnie. Thank you very much, Dylan. Now, our friends on Wikipedia, they also outline that a lot of actors, like you, we've kind of mentioned, mm. they use the biopic to gain some cred and some respect. So some examples of that are Johnny Depp doing um, Ed Wood in Finding Neverland, uh, Jim Carrey doing Man on the Moon. Oh, yeah, yep. And Jamie Foxx you know, taking on Ray Charles. I thought that was his, kind of his first, like, hey, I'm a real actor movie. <laughs> he oh, Joaquin not... Phoenix and Walk the Line, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty early on in, in Joaquin. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always work. Oh, no, Lonnie. Again, Wikipedia. You may have heard of this one, Dylan, but I'm just going to say it because it's pretty funny. Okay. <laughs> Jared Leto. He Uh-oh. gained 30 kilograms by, quote, drinking microwaved pints of ice cream mixed with soy sauce <laughs> and olive oil every night, end quote. He got gout and he had to use a wheelchair to cope with the stress to his body of this, of this weight gain when he portrayed John Lennon's killer in Chapter 27. Have you oh, seen this film? I haven't. I haven't, but I have heard of that uh, <laughs> that concoction which oh, <laughs> Jared Leto went through. Surely there are other ways to gain weight if you had to. <sighs> He's weird, eh? Yeah, He's so not many people have heard of the film and not many people saw it. It made $187,000 at the box office. Um, but it did win some awards at the Zurich Film Festival, so that's good. You can count on the Swiss to give you some awards for weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> well... Fair enough. Uh, for his part, Lido said about the weight gain, I'd never do it again. It definitely gave me some problems. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he, he did win an Oscar later, because I think he's probably going for an Oscar, let's face it. You wouldn't be doing that. You know, that's part of the story for Oscars as well, isn't it? If you can put on tremendous weight gain or weight loss, that's part of the role. And yeah. in fact, he did do that for the Oscar that he won for Dallas Buyers Club. That's a biopic. His role apparently was fictionalised, but... But still, he he got there eventually, so that's good. Good on you, Jared. Don't don't try so hard anymore, mate. Enough <laughs> so, of that. What are your overall thoughts on the biopic, Dylan? Uh, hit or miss, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, for the ones I've seen, I mean, I, I like Bo Rap, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Uh, I've seen Vice. I think that's pretty good. Um, Christian Bale. I mean, he crushes and everything. Let's be honest. Vice is good because it kind of has a point to it. And you know it's not all completely accurate, but it's like arguing something, I think. Yeah, and it's done a bit differently. It's a bit a uh, bit comedic as well. Yeah. Got comedic elements in it uh, and comedic editing as well. Mm. I like that. Watch that with mum. She's a bit of a fan too. That's cool. I think some biopics, they just want to sort of present, this is the story that happened and it's really inspirational. This is the cool life this person had. Yeah. But Vice Real is really saying, I don't know, hey, hang on. <laughs> hang on a second. <laughs> Come on. This guy is nasty, yeah. Yeah. No, they had a bit of fun with it. I mean, those other types of biopics, they're presenting the story, inspirational, they're a dime a dozen, really. And um, another one I like is that uh, that Steve Jobs one with Michael Fassbender in it. Oh, yeah. I like that one. And that was a, an example. I didn't really go into it in my, my notes here, but mm. there are examples of competing biopics. And after Steve Jobs died, they had a few on the go, didn't they? Ashton Kutcher had one. The bad one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've only seen the, the uh, Michael Fassbender one. I quite liked it, to be honest. Oh, it's amazing. The writing in it, incredible. Mm. Again, that one's a bit... It's not structured in the same way of having 
yeah, this is him when he was a kid, and then he he struggled, and then he got successful, and he's he's all good now. Yeah, yeah, I think I like those uh, those different ones because that's it's presented as like I think it's like four different Apple shows. Yeah, and to lead up to it, and it's yeah. it's obviously not all those things happened in the way it occurred, but the film kind of admits to that, doesn't it? Oh, I think most biopics do. Like I think Steve Wozniak said in an interview, he was he was never that. Uh, had that bad of a relationship with Steve Jobs. Yeah. I was yeah. presenting that film. But anyway, yeah, well, it's still great. We're getting to an accuracy, Dylan, so don't worry. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, if you like a, a sort of different biopic, have you ever seen Love and Mercy? I haven't. What's that no. about? It's about the life of Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's probably one of my favourite biopics, to be honest. And oh. what's interesting in it is that he's actually portrayed by two different actors in different phases of his life. So yeah, there's right. sort of two parallel storylines running in, in the when he's a kid and he's he's making pet sounds, you know, the seminal, you know, Beach Boys album. Sure. He's um portrayed by Paul Dano. Oh, love him. Okay, Paul Dano. I'm on board. Yeah. yeah. And then as he's older and washed up and going through some tremendous mental health issues later on in life, he's yeah. played by John Cusack. Okay. Because okay. it really well, it's really showing that he's, you know, he's a different person <laughs> as he well. as he ages, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fair but, enough. But uh, I really recommend that one. I'm not a huge Beach Boys fan, to be honest, but this one, it just really, it's really hit me. I've seen it a few times, and I've loved it every time. So, When was it made? I want to say 2014. Oh, okay, so fairly recent. Okay. Yeah, 2014, 2015, yeah, not too long ago. Okay, I'll definitely check that one out. Another film I quite like is called Holding the Man. Have you seen that one, Dylan? No, I haven't. What's that one about? So it's an Aussie film, and it's based on the memoir of Tim Conagrave. Mm-hmm. He was an actor and writer um, here in Australia. And the film sort of details his relationship um, and his battle with AIDS, and it's it's just really really sad as you as you can probably imagine. Oh, of course. But, yeah. but really beautiful. Um, it's also there's a stage show as well. But this this film, um, it's only not too long ago, 2014 I think as well. So oh, yeah, yeah. If you if you feel like a cry, that's a good one. But also you know, it's about love, so that's good I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I've got a few more things I want to get off my chest um, before I get to the real thing. I really want to. Oh gosh, get, get it's into. all been leading up to this morning. <laughs> First of all, have you ever heard of the concept of autobiopics? No, no. Well, it's not about cars. <laughs> Good one. Thanks, man. <laughs> I, I just saw that then. I, was, I think that's worth it. That's staying in no matter what. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, great. Good good stuff. <laughs> no, an autobiopic is when the person betrays themselves. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so you don't get many of these, really. No. But they're kind of fascinating. Um, I haven't seen many myself, but there's a famous one, um, the Jackie Robinson, Robinson story. That's, you know, Jackie Robinson, the famous baseball player, played himself. Have cool. not even heard of it. Is it <laughs> I'm assuming it's not good. Oh, it's from the 1950s. I haven't seen it myself. Oh, I think it's okay. kind of by the numbers sort of sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So the 1517 to Paris, have you heard of that one? Is that that uh, Clint Eastwood one? Yes, I haven't seen it myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Clint Eastwood fan by and large, but I haven't seen this one. But, yeah, it's about the, the American, for them, Marines. There's some sort of soldiers who foiled a, an assassination or a terrorist event on a train. Yeah, I think it was and, a terrorist attack, yeah. Yeah, then they played themselves in the movie, which is yeah. kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're heroes, so we can't really bag on them too much. 
yeah, the concept is interesting that I get them to play themselves. You've probably heard of this one, though, The Big Sick with Kumal Nagiani. Yes, yes, I have heard of that one. Yeah. So I didn't really think of it as one, but I guess it is because he wrote it with his wife and it's about how they got together and, you know, she got quite ill and then in the film he plays himself going through well, the same events, so... And at least he's an actor, too. That always helps. Yeah, that's, that's a bit of a difference between the, the other guys, yeah. Yeah. So do you have any strong thoughts and feelings on an auto-biopic, Dylan? Uh, I think if you're an actor, you can go for it. That's fine. Um, if it's not your profession, though, I think just, you know, don't bother. It's... It gets into strange territory when you've got someone playing themselves, like who's not an actor playing themselves, against actors. That's, 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 that's weird to me, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's stark contrast and it shows off the difference in the, mm. in acting skills. <laughs> the problem I have with biopics, though, mm. I just thought of one other one, another biopic. Okay. Autobiopic. Space Jam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> I don't think those events really took place, Lonnie, but, you know. Uh, what? I mean, who are we to say? I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I can't argue. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Jordan met Bugs Bunny. Who am I to say? <laughs> I love how they gloss over that in The Last Dance. Just sort of, this happened. <laughs> Didn't go into great space detail. Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. The problem I have with biopics, Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Is that they're not always very true. In fact, they're often very inaccurate. Mm, I think that's just inherently dishonest. You know, they're purporting to be true. And even if you know, like, on one level that what you're watching is the film, it's a recreation or it's, you know, the events have been changed and whatnot, yeah. you kind of still think what you're seeing is what really happened, I think? Yeah, I mean, it's, people need to realise based on true events is uh, just means it's taking some elements from those events. Obviously, there's going to be some dramatic flair. Exactly. Is it is it um, Anchorman where they say this film was based on true events? The only things that have been changed are the names, um, some some details, and the events. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I think so. It Something sounds like, like Anchorman. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So I have two cases of biopics, well, biopic-type stories that we're going to get to that have mm. things that are just made up, Dill. just really gets me. They're really made up. But first okay. of all, let's get to a few other ones first just to lead up to my, my rant. Okay. How familiar are you with The Crown? Uh, the Netflix show? Yes. Uh, I've watched a couple of episodes while mum had it on in the kitchen <laughs> when I was down there at some point. 
I mean, from what I saw, it's pretty good. She keeps telling me to watch it. I will one day, Mum. Calm down. <laughs> no, I've seen the first two seasons. Yeah. I didn't mind it. It's it's what it is. You know, it's it's a big soap opera basically about the royals. That's that's fine. You know what you're getting into. And it's well made. There's a lot of money thrown at it, to be honest. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot to talk about and how it rewrites history to suit the story. Sure. But I'm going to focus on the last season. I haven't seen these episodes, but there are lots of talk about it here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So there's an episode where they came come to Australia... Um, Prince Charles and Diana come down here. First of all, they shot in Spain. Oh, no. <laughs> they tried to pull it off as, as Brisbane. Strike one, the crown. <laughs> exactly. How dare you? I mean, but you could have just got some stock footage of Brisbane or, like, recreated. You've got millions of dollars. It's just they, they apparently they pan across this this people in Brisbane waving the royals as they go past, and very clearly they're in Spanish sort of houses <laughs> They're disrespecting Briz Vegas, Lonnie. I know. You can't do that. Are you just mad because you wanted to go see it being filmed and possibly be an extra? I could have been the banker. I could have waved. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's your issue, isn't it? Uh, But they also went to all this trouble to recreate a Bob Hawke interview. So they recreated the whole set. I think it was a Four Corners interview. um, And they had this interview where they got the suit right and everything, right? Mm -hmm. And then they make up what he says still. Oh, (laughs) So he was asked, this is true, he was asked, I think it was before he was PM, and he said they had a planned visit when the Royals coming up, and they said, you know, you're exciting. And he's like, you know what, I, that's okay. It's not my first priority, though. When I become Prime Minister, I want to help people who are poor and, you know, get Australians back on the track sort of thing. He's not like visiting, the Royals, Royals having a visit is not my top priority, which is all true, apparently. Mm. But then in the show, he goes on to talk about the Queen, and he says... You wouldn't put a pig in charge of a herd of prime beef cattle, even if it does look good in twin set and pearls. Jesus. Didn't happen to <laughs> Just didn't happen. Why say it? Well, what I think what they'll try and do is try to make out that Australia was trying to become a republic and now he's the prime minister who hates the queen, basically. Ah, uh, sure, sure. And okay. I think the idea is that then the royals calm down and everyone loves them and that sort of writes the, the ship sort of idea. So they kind of twisted his indifference in real life into disdain in the show. Basically, yeah, just just to mm. amp the story up. And I get I get why, and that's the problem I have with my upcoming two that I don't like. I don't really see why they changed it. But yes, I can see for the story why this happened. But it just seems like, you know, putting words in the mouth of this real-life person who was, by all accounts, a really good prime minister, and then it's just icky to me. Yeah. And they're making out that he hates the Queen, but apparently in real life he was kind of friendly with the Queen and they're making out that he was just like staunch Republican, um, Australian Republican guy, but apparently he was like, he was for it, but he didn't really push it when he's Prime Minister because he had other stuff going on. So it just seems like it's made up, Dylan. Well, that's not on, is it, Lonnie? No, it's not on. <laughs> yeah, a film called Armadeus. Is this one you come across before, Dylan? Uh, the name rings a bell, but you'll have to remind me, Lonnie. Well, it's all about Mozart and his rivalry with the... Uh, a um, contemporary um, composer called Salieri. It's a oh, really yeah. good film. I really like it. However, in reality, Dylan, there's little to no evidence that they had this big rivalry. Oh, no. <laughs> in fact, they might have been friends. <laughs> <gasps> and, like, sure, that, that's fine, right? Like, it's it's a story. Everyone knows that. But I don't think anyone really... Like, if they know anything about Mozart, they probably know this film. And if they know anything about Salieri, they know this film, you know? So 
that's where it just comes a bit dishonest to me. Pure fabrication, Lonnie. Exactly. And you said Disgusting. you like <laughs> you said you like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Well, I don't know why, Dylan, because they bloody don't changed Lonnie. all the story. Oh no. So they in the, did. In the, <laughs> <laughs> you admit it, if you yeah. in the film, you remember that they sort of makes out that they come back together after like basically being split up to come do Live Aid. Yeah. Apparently yeah. they were just on tour a few months beforehand together. Yeah. <laughs> they were fine at the time, yeah. And also it's kind of seen as like Freddie coming back after his diagnosis to um, put on a really good show even though he's sick and apparently that's just not the case. He got diagnosed a few years later, so. Yeah, they kind of had to shoehorn the AIDS in there, didn't they? Yeah. So, again, I can kind of see why and especially because the... Um, surviving members of the band want to make it look more dramatic and how, how cool they are and that's kind of the idea mm. that that's why some of those changes have happened but like ugh. Freddie Mercury is exciting enough without having to make stuff up I reckon well <laughs> that's a fair point yeah and that's um, you, you can't really be too mad at it because as you said the guys from Queen they had, to, they had some fair input into that film I guess uh, yeah I guess they they approved it, but would Freddie have approved it? I've got no um, idea. I don't know Freddie, so. We'll never know. We'll never know. R.I.P. Wolf of Wall Street, Dylan. You've seen this, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, mate. One of my faves. Love it. Now, obviously, that film, it's based on Jordan Belfort's um, biography, autobiography. Yeah, yeah. And the film itself, it winks at the audience saying, this stuff is not completely true. This is a story I'm selling you, basically. And it's Scorsese. He's a big... Uh proprietor of uh, the cinematic and, and films and all that. So you've got to take into account it's a, a filmmaker making a film. Exactly. That's his main and, priority. And the filmmaker, like we kind of said, is not just... This one is more of a this is a life story and how inspirational it is, but it's got a real point being like you shouldn't be inspired by this dickhead. <laughs> yeah, it's got a real lesson of uh, the dangers of avarice and greed and mm-hmm. sort of thing. However, for some reason, Dylan, they changed the wives' names. Well, okay. So his first wife is called Teresa in the film, but in real life her name is Denise. Okay. And then the second wife, famously played by Margot Robbie. Yep. In the film she's Naomi, but her real life name is Nadine. Why? Wow. Why change that? I don't know. Is that um, in his autobiography, John Belfort, did he call them by their real names too? I think so. I'm not, I'm not really oh, sure, to be honest. Okay. And maybe okay. it's just like making it that one step removed... Perhaps because the yeah. film's about Jordan, it's not about the women, I guess. But and they don't um, paint the women in the most great light in that film. No, and again, I think that is it's the film is is doing that on purpose for sure. But yeah. still, very good point. Maybe they just wanted to yeah, have a, a one step of removal away from it. But I just it's, it's always funny to me when they change a name like that for some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. some of the crazier parts of the film um, didn't happen in real life, like the. When they toss little people, apparently that didn't didn't happen, which is good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you can give it some leeway for showing the excesses in a in a cinematic way, but I'm glad that didn't happen in real life. But most importantly for me, Dylan, yeah, no one ever called it the wolf. Apparently that's something he made up for himself. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow, yeah. Jordan, you but that probably that probably fits though, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. But no, I don't think anyone's going to see Wolf of Wall Street. Going in thinking, oh, this better be this better be bloody accurate to that autobiography. I tell you what, <laughs> Scorsese, you better get this right. Exactly right. 
Now, this film caused a bit of controversy when it was released. It's called Green Book, Dylan. You've seen it? I haven't got around to watching it yet, but I, I know of it. I'm aware of it. Yeah, one best picture. No one really knows how or why. Um, <laughs> for, the, for the record, I thought it was okay. Quite, I like some parts of it, to be honest, but it seemed like it, it's a good best picture winner for, like, 1995. Not really, you know, a couple of years ago when it was the, the best picture winner. But, you know. Sure. That's the Oscars for you. Not always right. No, definitely not. No. But there's a scene in it, and there's so Mahershala Ali plays um he plays Bon Shirley, who's a black pianist. Um, sort of takes on a tour of the South. Basically, that's what the film's about. And there's yeah. this film. There's part of the film where um, Viggo Mortensen's character Tony, who's like the most over the top Italian American, <laughs> yeah, um, introduces um, Don to um, fried chicken and it's like he's never had it before and he's like oh now he's a real black American because he's had fried chicken and I was like ooh, ooh. apparently not true <laughs> his family oh, have come out and said that wouldn't happen wouldn't have happened it's just completely bizarre that that's in there well that makes it even more offensive doesn't it <laughs> yeah it's I don't know as I said maybe it's good for the 90s but it's a bit of a throwback in that sense I guess yeah okay Dylan Here's the two we're leading up to, okay? So we've come to the big gripes, have we, Lonnie? Spoiler alert, they're not actually biopics. They're oh. kind of biopics, they're not biopics, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Hamilton, the musical. Have you seen this, Dylan? I haven't. I haven't, but uh, I know of it. Yep. Okay. Well, you've, it's pretty popular. You've probably heard about it, everybody. It's one of the reasons I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> well, it's actually cool. I think you'd like it if you got around uh, to it. Okay. But maybe not after hearing this, Dylan. So the film was about real-life Alexander Hamilton, who's one of the founding fathers of America, United yeah, States. Yeah. And there's a bit in the film where they're at a ball and he's getting around the ladies, right? Mm. And Martha Washington, who's George Washington's partner, yeah, they sing that he is so, like, such a... Not a predator to ladies. He's like but such a ladies' man okay. that she named her feral tomcat Hamilton. And like both prowling women, right? Sure, sure. Fair enough. That's a funny bit. But then Hamilton, Lynn Manuel Miranda, turns yeah. to the audience and says, "That's true." <laughs> Dylan, guess what? Guess uh, what, Dylan? I'm guessing that uh, it's not true, Lonnie. It's not true, Dylan. <laughs> Why would he say that? Why would you do that? And here's the thing, Dylan. <laughs> They reckon she didn't even have a tomcat. Oh, my God. The lies never stop, Lonnie. Lies upon lies. <laughs> so not only have they made this up, they've made a joke about it being true. Like, they've made it doubly true to themselves. They, they doubled down they on doubled the lies, down on it. And apparently it's more about there was the rumours afterwards that this happened. Like, but not necessarily rumours, but, like, tall tales were told sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And... Eventually, Linda Miranda clarified that it's most likely a tale spread by John Adams, who's, you know, one of the other founding fathers. Mm, yeah. But I like Hamilton owning it, he says. At this point in the story, he's at peak cockiness. It's not true, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird little detail. And, like, I understand the whole thing is not true. He didn't rap about his bloody starting America. I know that for sure. But I was going to say, they didn't break into song every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But that's, like... The rest of it's it's obviously true to the essence of what happened, you know? Yeah. This is such a small detail. It's not true. 
They put it in there, Dylan. And he turns to the camera or the audience and says it's true, but it's not. <laughs> why does that upset you so much? Is it because they specifically called it out saying it's it's true? Yeah, you, if you're going to wink to the audience and break the fourth wall, don't do it about something that's clearly not true. <laughs> oh, this is... Uh, sounds like it's driven you a bit mad, Donnie. Well, this next one as well. They, they, this plays in my mind. Oh, they're, they're like, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think of is these two stories, Dylan. Oh, no. <laughs> now, how familiar are you with Taylor Swift and her recent albums? <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar with their recent stuff, but uh, I know Taylor, obviously. <laughs> okay, you and Taylor go way back. Oh, yeah, mate, you know it. <laughs> in The Last Great American Dynasty, which was on Focal... Which one of the first one came out this year? Yeah, that was on Focal. Sorry, she released two in like a few months, and it's, it's kind of confused me. Okay. Okay. This song called The Last Great American Dynasty, and she's singing about Rebecca Harkness, who's this um, famous rich woman who owned the house that uh, Taylor now lives in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she lists all the things that she did in her life, and it's like a cool song and everything, and it's all very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All good, Dylan. Yeah. There's a bit where, as Wikipedia says, Rebecca stole a neighbor's dog and dyed it lime green because of a feud. Okay, that that's funny, isn't it? No, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> she stole a dog and dyed it lime green. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Wikipedia goes on to say, Dylan. Whereas in reality, it was a cat instead of a dog. <laughs> so it's still got dyed lime green. Yeah, <laughs> but she's gone and changed the animal. Why? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, there are some people who think it's because Taylor loves cats, and so she changed it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Fair enough, T Swift. That's if you want to do that, that's okay. Yep. But it's not okay, John. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wikipedia also says that this line implies the inaccuracy of gossips. It's one of the many lyrical motifs present in folklore. Here's what I say, Dylan. Just say cat. Don't change it. <laughs> you really hung up on these two little little things, aren't you, Lonnie? I think I can live with the big changes and the ones that serve a story purpose. These little stupid ones I don't really can't get behind. That are done for no reason? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you need logic, Lonnie. Okay. So, overall, <laughs> I think... <laughs> That if biopics are done well, and, you know, stories based on, or art based on real life stories, I'll say, if we're going to count the songs. Yeah, yeah. If they're done well, they're great. But I do have some issues taken, issues with the artistic license taken by some biopics. I can see why you need to change things with the story, as I said, but it's just as honest, and I think it gives you this impression that this is what happened, but while also rearranging a person's life just to suit the story, which I just think is odd. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, agree. Dylan, that more films took the character and put them in a completely new situation. Oh. For okay. example, I've had this idea for a while that, like, the next time we have a musician biopic, that maybe instead of just going from when they were young kid to struggling to them being successful and then being the most popular band or whatever in the world, maybe have them go to rock and roll heaven, you know? <laughs> And they meet Elvis and they meet Bowie and Prince, etc. And then, you know, maybe they have to go on an adventure with those guys or something. Okay, so not not really a biopic then. Just uh... 
again, well, that's, that's, the, that's the thing, right? So I'm thinking in this sort of story, you can be true to the spirit and essence of the person without having to worry about getting the facts and then having to change the facts of their life to, to put together for a you know, three-act structure. But like the, what you've, I think what you're putting on there is like maybe that's more offensive to create a new brand new story. Oh, I wouldn't say it's offensive. I mean, it's just taking that that person and plucking him into a different situation. Are you talking kind of like a uh, a tenacious D sort of scenario? Yeah, that could be that's, that could be an example for sure. What my point is, I guess, if you're going to basically butcher their life, if you're going to say that all these things happened to Freddie Mercury, which didn't actually happen that way, like why not go all the way and change the whole thing and just yeah. put him somewhere else? You know, go balls out, have him fight zombies. You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Do the old Abe Lincoln vampire hunter where yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give Dylan. Oh, do you have anything else you want to say first? You're a great bloke, Lonnie. Okay. <laughs> I'm in that biopic, but all right. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm going to give the last word to your friend, Quentin Tarantino. Oh. Wikipedia says that he's quite critical of biographical films. He's quoted as saying, they're just big excuses for actors to win Oscars. He also says that they are corrupted cinema. <laughs> so, God, I love him. <laughs> he's so good. He, um, he doesn't hold back, does he? He's right. And he's um, he is famous for doing some stories based on real events and dramatically changing them. Yeah, he'll, he'll straight up kill Hitler in his movies. He doesn't care. Yeah. He'll just do his own thing, won't he? All he cares about is what's fun <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. And, yeah, I wonder if that was before or after um, he made Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because he's totally changed his history in that film, doesn't he? Yeah, he mm. loves it. Mm. Anyway, that's biopics, Dylan. I crafted a whole episode based on my two little gripes about Hamilton and Taylor Swift. I'm glad, <laughs> I'd be happy. <laughs> I mean, it, you got it off your chest, so uh, it can only be good for you. Good. Hopefully now that it'll... Um, I can stop worrying about it so much. Yeah, you can get some sleep at night now. It's good to have this podcast just to like air my personal grievances with Taylor Swift and Linda Wenneranda. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad it serves that function, Lonnie. <laughs> well, we're going to thank you very much for listening to my gripes this, this week on I Miss You, Man. Uh, we are on all the socials, aren't we, Dylan? Uh, from what I know of, yes. <laughs> Unless there's a new social media platform that's opened up that we have. We're not on TikTok, for example. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> uh, if you liked this episode, please give us a, a like and a review on iTunes or your um, podcast app of choice. Uh, what we're going to do as well is if, if you give us a like and a review, put your name there or put whatever you want to be called, and we're going to give you a shout-out on the next episode. That sounds like fun, Lonnie. Yeah, so um, please do that, and you'll, you'll get your name out there on, in lights or in podcast shout-outs, which is pretty cool as well. Absolutely, especially here. One day, Dylan, they're going to make a biopic about us doing this podcast, I reckon. <laughs> oh, God. Who do you want me to play you, mate? Ooh, I don't know. I'll take Brad Pitt for me. Anyway. <laughs> what if Brad Pitt plays both of us? Oh, yeah. No, do that. That's okay. fun. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Miss you, man. I miss you, man. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.